This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. For our teaching time today, we're going to go back over the Hebrews passage. That's Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 8, and then verses 15 and 16. Now, when you look at this passage, it appears as if there's just a series of unrelated statements in order there. But what he's doing here is reminding us of how we should act if we are faithful followers of Christ and remembering verse 1229, which says, for our God is a consuming fire. We remember that from last week, right? That God... Yes, he's a God of judgment, but he's also a God who wants to purify those who follow him. And when this purification is, is taking place or has taken place, we will be able to do those things in Hebrews chapter 13. See, there's this lo- there is a logical connection there after all. So, let brotherly love continue. This is a practical statement because we're supposed to love one another like brothers and sisters in Christ, aren't we? So the chapter begins by telling us to let the brotherly love continue. This is appropriate for love is the chief of all Christian virtues. This starting with love also makes sense given the focus of Hebrews on perseverance. Christians are in this race of faith together. And if we do not love one another, we will not spur one another on to love and good works, like it says in Hebrews 10, verse 24. Without such mutual encouragement, we are more likely to turn aside from following Jesus. As a sidelight, that's why he sent his apostles out two by two knowing that if he sent one out by himself, he will be tempted when, say, he, the first person he greets in this new town looks like you know, Goliath the giant, and he looks at him and says, I think I'll skip this person and move on. See, we're more likely to give up easily if we're by ourselves, but if we have someone who's with us, who can lift us up and encourage us, we can be accountable to that other person, we're more likely to fulfill our purpose and mission. Now, brotherly love consists in more than just feelings. It displays itself in actions. In fact, true brotherly love is costly. We must give of our own time, choosing the needs of others over our own. And man, that is hard sometimes, isn't it? In order to love people well, Christian love, in fact, is willing to pay the highest price of all. And we know what that is because Jesus said it in John chapter 15. Greater love has no man than this, that he would what? Lay down his life for his friends. And you kind of say, Lord, you know, I'm willing to do that. But can we kind of skip that part until the very end? Verse two, be hospitable. Is anyone here ever knowingly entertained an angel? not knowingly, by 
some people have actually entertained angels not knowing that's what they were doing. Now, how we can prove that, I don't know. But the scripture tells us it might happen. So whenever you see somebody and they look like they're an annoyance, say hi to them anyway. If they look hungry, give them a gift certificate to the 99. Give them food. Give them support in kind if you hesitate to give them money. By entertaining these strangers, we have at some time, maybe, some of us here have even done that possibly, entertained an angel and not known it. Verse 3, remember prisoners, those that are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. That's really hard to do. Because most of us don't even ever think about wanting to go to jail. Even if it's like the Monopoly board piece says, just visiting. It's just not that pleasant of a thought, is it? But scripture, you know, kind of Jesus kind of talks about that in John chapter 25 or Matthew chapter 25. Rather, when he says, even as you have done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. And visiting in prison was on that list. And Francis Chan has a book called. What is it? Crazy love. Crazy love that challenges us to do those very things from Matthew chapter 25. And we can sit there and complain all we want to. But that list still exists in scripture. So we need to get out of our comfort zone and go do things for other people. Take care of those homeless people. Take care of the people who... You know, if they've been in prison and they're just getting out and they're looking for a fresh start, if you know that's what that case is with that person, come alongside. Help them get started. I mean, even if you'd give them the help wanted section of the daily newspaper and saying you can probably find a job at one of these places, especially now since it's the job market's really still fairly good, help them out. Now, the next verse is... Verse 4, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Are there any amendments, corrections, deletions and admissions to this section here? No, there's a reason because marriage is especially in our culture of today. It's becoming less and less true about the marriage bed being undefiled, etc., 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 or the de- even the definition of marriage and what it is. See, marriage is dishonored by this list of five things. Marriage is dishonored by divorce, especially if it's not justified. Like you just say, well, I don't feel like I love you anymore. Goodbye. Uh-uh. When you were at the altars swearing by this crowd of people and in either in front of a preacher or a judge or whatever you said, until death do us part. And that's exactly what that means. Marriage is dishonored by living together outside of marriage. This means shacking up, basically, if you want to use the slang term. Don't do that. Marriage is dishonored by adultery, by fooling around behind your wife or your husband. Marriage is also dishonored by neglect. What does this mean? Well, it means kind of not pulling your weight as one of the partners in that relationship. You know, acting like you weren't married. 
And then marriage is dishonored by redefinition. And that's the big one for our culture for the time right now, especially since with the project of the, in the social debate in this country, redefining what a marriage is. God set forth what a marriage is when he brought Eve to Adam. And it says, therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. And a man shall leave his mother and father and cling to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. He didn't say cling to his spouse as if leaving it open-ended as to what he intended. So marriage is dishonored by the redefinition that we've been hearing about for the last uh, 10, 11, 12 years, or however long it's been since 2003 with that infamous court decision in this state. Now, number five, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Be content with what you have. That is a verse that will scare every retailer in, the, in this nation to death. Because our businesses largely depend on people buying things they don't need with money they don't have. I.e. plastic. Hey, I can have it now. Slip, 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 you know, and beep, you know, and it tells you to remove your card and all that. Be content with what you have. That's really hard because we'll, we live in a society that is basically materialistic and where we count our value on how much stuff we have. You know, and I saw this bumper sticker one time, he who dies with the most toys wins. But then I saw another one correcting that. He who dies with the most toys still dies. You know, and there was this one ad I saw on television one time that said, the guy's coming up to him in the funeral of a really rich guy. It says, the one smart alecky guy comes up to the one of the observers in the service and says, how much do you think he left? And the serious-minded person looked at him and said, all of it. Be content with what you have. Spurgeon writes, be content with what you have. The children of God also need to be exhorted to cherish that most simple and natural of virtues, contentment. It is so easy to be covetous that no class of society is free from it. Covetousness is a deadly poison, destructive of all virtue. To be content with what we have should be especially easy to us because we have so much for which we can be thankful. Amen? The world is ours. Worlds to come also. Earth is our lodge and heaven is our home. It ought to be easy for us to be contented since all good things are ordered for our good. And then there's this really neat promise in this passage because the writer of Hebrews quotes from probably 20 different verses in the Bible saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God has promised to be with us until he calls us home one way or the other. And which means Jesus' words in Matthew 6 are still relevant. Do not worry about what you shall eat or what you shall wear or whatever. Because God knows, the Father knows you have need of these things. 
and they will be provided for you. Verse 7, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And that verse scares the daylights out of me. Because it says, imitate their faith. And I'm looking around saying, I don't want anybody to imitate me. Paul had a lot of courage when he wrote that in 1 Corinthians, didn't he? Because you're willing to actually say, look at my life and follow my example. Also, for the teachers out there, James 3.1 is still true. James says in chapter 3, verse 1, Let not many of you presume to be teachers, for in so doing you will incur a stricter judgment from God. See why I told you that verse is scary? It's because when you are charged with preaching the Word of God and teaching it to other people, you have a great responsibility. And not only that, the people who are in your congregation or well, if they're a member of your church, they have the expectation that they can watch your life and should be able to watch your life and follow your example. Yeah, so let's remember that. We in the body of Christ need to remember that we should be living in such a way that we could not fear the thought of telling people to watch my life, see how I do things, and then imitate me. That takes a lot of faith, doesn't it? But that's exactly the point. We're supposed to grow in our faith and have more faith and have enough faith at this point to realize that maybe it's not too outrageous to think that we could ask somebody to look at our example because we are struggling and striving to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ and when we make mistakes, we admit it. Oh, gosh, that's a hard one, too. Isn't it? But that's what we're supposed to do. Now, leaders as models. John Maxwell, the leadership expert or lecturer, says, although verses 7 and 8 of Hebrews 13 are rarely tied together, they should be. Because Jesus is reminding us, or the writer of Hebrews is reminding us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, what God did for those leaders in years gone by, he can do for you and me. And if you have a child, if you have a pet, if you are a teacher, if you are a department head, a team leader, you are a leader. So therefore... Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when you grab hold of that promise, you can know that you're grabbing hold of a promise by the faithful one who will, as we've already discussed, never leave you or forsake you. Amen? Now, verses 15 and 16. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Why does he call it a sacrifice of praise? Well, look at the first words of verse 15, through him. You see, we come to Christ or we come to the Father through Jesus, right? 
And there are times when we don't feel like worshiping. Is that true? There are moments when worshiping the Lord is probably the last thing in our mind. Why do you, that's why then he says a sacrifice of praise. Through Christ, muster up your faith and praise the Lord anyway. No matter how rough things are, no matter how bad everything seems, if you think your life is just being washed away, sliding down the hill or flushed down the proverbial you-know-what, if you think that's your life at that moment, praise the Lord. Why? Because praise is becoming to the upright. It says in Psalm 33, verse 1. And praise lifts your spirits even at that moment. When you feel at your worst, through Christ, you say, Lord, give me the strength now and the words to praise you. And no, I don't feel like it. But Lord, let me praise you right now, even in the middle of this turmoil. Even if we're facing some horrible situation. And many of us can think of really horrible situations, can't we? Even when we're in those moments, through Christ, we offer that sacrifice of praise. Because it is a moment in those moments when we don't feel like it, when it actually is a sacrifice. We're having to sacrifice ourselves on the altar again, die to self again, and praise Jesus again. That's how that works. Because when you pour out your praise to Him, He honors that. And maybe even especially if you don't feel like it. Because it's those times when the praise may be the most painful that we might be able to yield up the most heartfelt praise we could ever muster. Because when we're at that point, all we can do is cry out to the Lord. Yield up our heart and say, God, you said you'll never leave me nor forsake me. I'm trusting you that that's true right now. So Lord, I praise you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.Podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, Care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your power for living.